What's up gamers? It's Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It's a gaming podcast that I swear to you is not going to be an hour and a half of us reacting to commercials from last week. I you have I solemnly swear you have my word. That's not all that this is going to be. Yeah, honestly, I there's a lot of shit in this Google Doc. This so, Google Doc is fucking huge, dude. I'm just going to do some quick hits for you. Yeah, I think the best way to do this, I think you and I largely watched different shows. So I think the way to do this is probably going to be like, I watched so-and-so show. And just like, quick hit, this is what I like from the show. So we're not spending an hour and a half like, did you watch Day of the Devs? I watched Microsoft, Starfield, like, you know? Yeah, all right. So I watched the like Summer Game Fest like showcase, like the main yeah. one. Jeff Keeley's super cool men with blazers over t-shirts extravaganza. Yeah, Soul Hackers 2. It looks great. Um, that's another like weird trailer. JRPGs just be having like the dumbest fucking trailers. Can I just say, <laughs> like, literally one of the best like JRPGs franchises of all time could just be like Ringo and just I don't know. It just makes no sense. But it looks Is there actually fun. somebody named Ringo in the The main Soul character is named Ringo, my guy. Okay. I, I haven't actually I've seen like screenshots from the trailer and I watched like a clip of it on mute. I haven't actually watched the video. Also. It's just, yeah, it's giving me, like, cyberpunky, but kind of cute S&T. And, like, mm-hmm. that's fine. That's all I need. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome. And I'm excited for it. And it's going to come mm-hmm. out uh, August 26th. The pre-orders are out. I need to pre-order mine. Apparently, if you pre-order some, depending on how much mm-hmm. you pay, you get a little Jack Frost. But oh. I do want to bring this up to you. Mm-hmm. There is day one DLC. That is $40. Oh. What the fuck? And it includes a chunk of the story. No, that's so fucked up. And Persona 5 outfits, but like, it's fucked. <sighs> and so they're really going to make me spend $100 on this game. And it's fine, I'll yeah. do it, but I, I don't like it. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to do it, but I'm not going to be happy about it. Now, see, I'm torn now because one, I hate supporting that shit. I know that Atlas games have a ser- like have a... Uh, or I guess the Shin Megami Tensei games just as a whole kind of have a really murky history the past few years with that DLC stuff. Like, I remember when the Nocturne remake came out, they there was DLC available on day one that added in the content from the Japanese version of the game that everybody kind of thought was going to be in on day one. Yeah. Shin Megami Tensei on the th- 4 on the 3DS did this too, where it was like, Oh, the game's out, but if you want to fight all the cool bosses, you got to get the DLC. Yeah, SMT5 also did this with not just, like, get to face the Demi-Fiend and, like, Satan or whatever, but they have this, uh, there's this very common demon in these games called, like, Nigi Mitama or Sati Mitama. It's those, like, squiggle guys. They're the the teardrop guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in SMT5, these guys are very rare. And when you kill them, you get a lot of XP or a lot of money or a lot uh. of special currency called glory. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but they're rare. That's the whole thing. Um, and you have to guess their weakness, and they easily escape, and like it's you know that type of thing, kind of like the the golden shadows glory hand guys in Persona Three. Okay. Yeah. Um, think of them like that. So one of the day one DLCs is this Mitama pack, where you install it, and it makes Mitamas. Way too fucking common. They oh just start God. showing up everywhere. Yeah. And yeah, I, that's. And you have to pay for that too. It just seems ridiculous. The counterpoint 
the little Jack Frost would look very cute on my bookshelf next to my little That's what Dragon I'm Quest saying. slime. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Counterpoint. And then I wasn't going to watch the Microsoft <laughs> one, but then you were like, Tori, pull up the fucking Microsoft thing right now. And I was like, what's happening? And I pulled it up, and guess what Persona? Persona yeah, 3 Persona. Portable. Persona's Persona 4 here. Golden. Persona 5 Royal coming to Xbox, Steam, PlayStation? Question mark? So that was worth it. I would say. There is literally no universe where at least three and four golden don't come to Switch now, right? Uh, don't say it. It's copium. It's copium. I don't know. It it, yeah. it would make sense for them to be on all the modern consoles. Yes. But I don't know. I I saw a tweet about it that was like, how crazy is it that the Persona games are coming to the Xbox, a console that has by and large, over the course of the last 20 years, been ignored by the Japanese market and been yeah. kind of like a not hugely popular for RPGs before these games come to the handheld Nintendo console with the biggest install base of any console. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a certified Atlas moment for sure. It really, it really yeah. is. It's, Either yeah. way, I'm really excited for Persona 4 Golden to come out on the PS4 um, because I've actually never played it. I've only played yeah, like generic Persona 4, so it'll be exciting. Yeah. I don't know. I'm actually kind of torn about it because they have like it'll have the same feels like a PSP game, not a PS2 game. And I've heard some mixed things about like the extra character in Persona 4 Golden. So people like really. I have like also her. heard mixed things, yeah. And so people like hate her, but we'll see. I, I like the option being available to me. Um, well, I like it too because you know, it's. Like, Persona 3 Portable on the PSP is one thing. And, I mean, you could you could make pretty much the same argument for these, but actually, considering neither the Vita nor the PSP really had huge install bases. Granted, mm -hmm. the PSP had... I want to say that I read the PSP had a similar install base to, like, the DS, like, the original DS, which is, like, pretty sizable, but that's a console that has kind of been lost to time, more or less. Mm -hmm. Like... A lot of those games, granted, we'll get into this more as the show goes on, but a lot of those games have kind of been marooned on the PSP. So it's really cool. I, I'm deeply amused, though, that they got to flash that in 2022, a video game called Persona 3 colon Portable is coming to the next-gen home I console. love that. I love how, like, intensely PSP era that is. Um, besides that, okay, so I did not watch the Capcom showcase, or I did, like, I did the quick hits after, so, like, Okay. There's some little, like, in-game, I guess, captured footage of the Resident Evil 4 remake. It looks good. Mm -hmm. That's all yeah. I can really say about it. I'm excited. Um, oh, another another hit from the Microsoft showcase? Yeah. I wanted to share, too. I, I laughed because you said you weren't watching it until I texted you freaking out about it. Yeah. I wasn't watching it until I started seeing tweets about... What did I see tweets about? I saw tweets about something. I don't even remember what game it was at this point. And I, I always forget that, like, back when E3 was normal E3, I've never been an Xbox kid. But I used to tune into the Xbox showcases because they would often get trailers for cross-platform stuff first. So it was always nice to, like, you know, I don't have an Xbox, but maybe the new Ubisoft games will have trailers of this. Mm. And in recent years, especially with the rise of Game Pass, the Microsoft showcase has been really big for like indie games and that kind of thing. Oh, true. So I was like, as much as I don't care about Microsoft on paper, I guess I will jump in and tune into this. And there was some cool stuff. 
And I just got a kick out of the fact that I tuned in an hour late and managed to catch in the time I was there uh, Diablo 4, very mixed thoughts about that. <laughs> a really cool looking game called Wo Long Fallen Dynasty, which looks like it's an action game that's got people working on it from both the Neo team and the Bloodborne team. Ooh. Looks very cool. And the Persona announcement and the fact that Hideo Kojima is working on something with Microsoft. Something. Not like literally something. no other information. He just like <laughs> hit the announce the whole announcement was just like his face on the screen. Like that was it. Yeah. I, I think I tweeted about it on our Twitter account though, like there is nobody else in games that has that kind of star power, you know? Yeah, that's like, true. There is, there is truly nobody. Maybe, maybe a Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, but, like, I was going to say, we, one's the Nintendo guys who, like, we see and we immediately think, like, oh, Zelda or whatever. But we're not, like, in a universe where the Xbox people are going to be like, we got Shigeru Miyamoto. Like, yeah. the fact that they can just flash Kojima's face on screen and people just collectively lose their minds is, it's like, like, catnip, I, literally. I saw one tweet that was, like, the game could be chess, and I would be like, fuck yeah, Kojima's here. <laughs> so. Seriously. Okay, so also speaking of Microsoft, Starfield, mm-hmm. you say it looks mid. I really don't care. I, is that where we're at? So I want to preface this by saying that this is absolutely no hate to people who saw the Starfield trailer and went, oh my god, this is a game I'm going to sink hundreds of hours into. I, I as a person, I as an individual have reached a stage in my life where I can't get excited for Bethesda games. I literally can't, because if I do, it will either ruin my life or it will never live up to the expectations that I set for it. Mm. Starfield looks like Fallout in space, which we knew it was going to look like Fallout in space. But something about when they flashed that first shot of you like mining for ore and it looked identical to No Man's Sky, I was like, let's go, baby. The game that they've been hyping up for the past, like, however many years is just No Man's Sky if you've washed out the color palette and built it on an engine from, like, 2003. Hashtag gritty. Hashtag yeah. realistic. Uh, tell, me, tell me about where you're at with it, because you said you don't really care. Um, so here's the thing. I want to be a person who likes Bethesda games because there's mm-hmm. a lot of cool people who like them, but I haven't <laughs> found one that's clicked with me. Again... This is kind of like my like FromSoft issue, but then Elden Ring came out, and then I was like, "Oh my god!" So could Starfield be like my Bethesda Elden Ring? Maybe, but it's possible. It's, possible. it's like non-zero chance. But I don't know. Like serious space guys is is kind of a well-trodden path for me, and for the yeah. games industry as a whole. And the other thing that makes me a little mid on it, honestly, is that I have Outer Worlds, which is also Fallout mm. in space. And I've tried playing it three times, and yeah, I don't care. I don't know. Well, I think, and the thing that Outer Worlds has that I, I can't speak so soon for this game because we do not know yet, but the fa- one of the things that people love about the Fallout games, and a big complaint since Bethesda took over the IP, is that they're not funny enough. You know, like, and mm. I, I'm not sure I agree with that because I think Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas have a lot of goofs happening. Yeah. New Vegas especially has, like, that one whole mode you can turn on basically called Wild Wasteland that just kind of, like, amps up the weird shit in the game. But oh, true. I I don't know. The, the things that I like about the Bethesda games are the weird shit. I think, like, yeah. the, the weird goofy stuff in Fallout New Vegas 
like the the robots that have faces on them and cowboy hats on the top of their chassis and they're like howdy <laughs> partner or like there's a when i think about what i love about the elder scrolls series i always think back to there's a mission in the elder scrolls oblivion in the dark brotherhood assassin quest line oh i think where... i know this one do you it's it's literally just an agatha christie murder mystery yes you get put Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, because my brother in... played that quest line, and I do remember that. It's like you get put into a house, and you are an assassin, and you have been tasked with killing every single person in this house. So it's like, and then there were none if every single person who got an invitation in, and then there were none, was like somebody who had a hit on them from the Assassin's Guild. So now, ignoring the fact that the quest is bugged such that even if you murder people directly in front of other people, they will never recognize that you are the murderer because it's a Bethesda game. <laughs> Love like, that. It's it's goofy shit like that. And, I mean, that's not the only thing that I and other people like about the Bethesda games. But when I look at what they've shown so far for Starfield, I'm not seeing that kind of, like, thing, that flair, that uniqueness. Mm. And I don't, maybe they'll show that, maybe they're holding off on a trailer that's like, a wacky Starfield. And you pair that with the fact that, like, Todd Howard carts out and is like, there's going to be 1,000 planets to explore in this game in a series that, like, one of the biggest complaints with it is that the open world is too big and it's barren because it's too big. Like, mm. I just can't get excited for that. Yeah, and also, like, even if they do do the quirky, funny thing, Quirky, mm-hmm. funny guys in space. Bro, that's just Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, I don't know what that's true. what you're trying to invent here. And there is a good Guardians of the Galaxy game on consoles, from what I gather. Yeah, so. and it's actually fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, I think we kind of arrived to the conclusion that it's... I would say, uh, like, like innocent until proven guilty. It's, like, mid until mm-hmm. proven good. I agree with that. I agree with that. And then... I just... Yeah. Oh. I, the the other thing I wanted to share about it was just that I saw in an interview after the conference, Todd Howard said that there there isn't going to be any seamless flight from like the ground in your spaceship hangar to space what? and then that's the into whole other point planets. Of space games. And that's the thing we are we are in 2022. I remember playing Star Wars Battlefront 2 on my PS2 going, how cool would it be if I could fly from Coruscant up to space seamlessly? And there are games where you can do that now, one of them being No Man's Sky. And all all this Starfield trailer really had me thinking was, maybe I should just go buy No Man's Sky. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, maybe maybe this whole episode is just a PSA to buy No Man's Sky, which I haven't even played. I hear it's good. But, hmm? I hear it's good. I hear it's good. I hear that it is vastly better than it was at launch because they felt so bad about how bad it was at launch that they spent the next, like, however many years improving it, so. Oh, and the other news I want to get to is that just as of a couple hours ago, um, I watched the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake Showcase, which, of course, everyone is watching there for, like, one thing and one thing only, but there's a lot of interesting things in there. Like, I've always known that Final Fantasy VII is, like, the MCU of Final Fantasy. It's a franchise, yeah. It's, like, a franchise within the franchise, and it's fine. But they, they're just doing a lot. They're doing a lot. Like, they have a kind of, like, a Royale game that I didn't even know about. 
they're remaking Crisis Core. I think that was like one of the that's Zach Fair awesome. games for the PS5. Yeah, that's the Zach Fair game. Uh, that's so cool. Coming out in like winter. I'm actually kind of excited to play that. Um, mm-hmm. And then next winter, Final Fantasy Rebirth, which is like mm. the part two of seven, is coming okay. out. And then they like had this little PowerPoint slide, and it was like, that's not it. That's like not all that we have to offer. And it showed mm-hmm. that the Final Fantasy VII remake is actually going to be a trilogy. Ooh. So I don't know. I mean, isn't the original game like not that long? I I feel like they're kind of like Peter Jackson hobbiting Final Fantasy, but I'm also kind of for it. You know? Yeah. I think the the thing that the thing that I think is neat about what the Final Fantasy remake is doing, just as a multimedia project, right? I guess it's less of a multimedia project because it's just a games experiment or project is that it is taking a world that fans thought was so cool even in the brief and like 64-bit polygonal time they got to spend in it Mm -hmm. and blowing it up to you know what we all kind of imagined it was like when we played it on the ps1 yeah and that's why i'm okay with them taking like a sequence from the first disc of the game that is probably an hour and blowing it up into 10 15 hours because it's just it's fun this is speaking as somebody who hasn't even played the remake yet i've just like seen a lot of it it's just so cool to see like the characters and the world that i was so enamored with on the ps1 fleshed out into this kind of huge thing that really really goes with what Namura's vision was for it. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for it. And I know it's kind of mm-hmm. like milking it and it's like whatever, but yeah, I Yeah, yeah, it is. I but... I'm excited for it. I really love the world of Final Fantasy 7 and like of all the Final Fantasy games I've played, it's the one that the soundtrack sticks with me the most. It's the one that mm-hmm. the world I like will just think about sometimes. And yeah, I no notes 10 out of 10. Um, Can we talk about the trailer for rebirth though it was like the most tetsuya nomura oh my god literally ever like, seen separos endgame it's like they sit the man down and they're like hey we need a trailer for the game can you make a trailer and he's like got it you want me to make a powerpoint slide here and there that literally has text on it yeah that i'm just gonna pull dialogue from eight hours into the game so that people have no context for it yeah. i could do that for you it's like it's like cloud walking and Eret's voiceover is like implying that she he and her have knowledge of her death in the original game and then it like yeah and then it's like text lot. flashes on yeah. screen that says sephiroth's end game <laughs> it's like what am i watching i, I love that when i saw that my first thought was wow this is really some kingdom hearts shit it makes me think of the old kingdom hearts trailers where, yeah i mean granted the kingdom hearts 4 trailer looked like this too but like the old kingdom hearts trailers where it would be like spiky haired person and then like blue screen and then it'd be white text that's like hearts darkness <laughs> nobody yeah then you're goofy in the background <laughs> yeah just out of it's context just like <laughs> it's great um it's all you need so that was the final fantasy 7 showcase what are some other what are some other showcases you watched over the I last i think that's pretty much all the showcases i watched but i know you watched some other ones like wholesome direct and day yeah. of the devs could you talk about that where i'm at right now as a gamer i don't really have the energy or the mental bandwidth to be tuning into like Jeff Keighley's AAA game Huge Fest, knowing that I'm only really gonna be able to afford like one or two of these games. And also, I'm only really gonna wanna buy like two or three of these games. I don't need to see the new COD. I'm sorry to be reductive. 
I don't need to see the new COD. I don't need to see a lot of this. Um, before I get into the cool indie game directs that I did watch, though, I want to just shout out a couple of quick hit things that I was interested in from the big AAA devs. Street Fighter VI looks fucking insane. It looks nuts. Blown away by how cool Street Fighter VI looks. It does. The Resident Evil 4 remake. We talked about this a little briefly on our last episode, but there was more video that came out of it. Leon looks smoking with that those next-gen graphics. Leon looks really cool. I know you watched the Final Fantasy VII stream earlier today when we're recording this, but I also saw that Dragon's Dogma 2 was announced. Doesn't sound like it's really coming out anytime soon, but I saw Dragon's Dogma 2 was announced. Yeah, um, she's happening. That's pretty cool. I'm going to jump into now some of the smaller ones I watched. So... The first one I watched was the Day of the Devs conference. This kind of happened the day after the Jeff Keighley Spectacular. This was, this is like a, a very indie dev focused stream. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean like, this is like those Nintendo Indie World Directs where yeah. they bring the indie developer on to introduce the game rather than the host who's like, you've heard of video games, now get ready for this game. Like they actually <laughs> bring the devs out <laughs> to talk about, because- like, nobody can explain these games better than the people who are so in love with them like that, you know? So that was really cool. Some of the standouts from that show, um, there was a game that was shown off. Actually, this wasn't shown off at Day of the Devs. I'll add this in later. Um, some of the games that were shown off, there's a game called Time Flies. Kind of reminds me of Minute. Did you ever play that one? The no. little, The little Zelda-like where you only have 60 seconds when you're alive and you gotta do Oh, that. I've heard of this, though. Yeah. Yeah. There's a game called Time Flies where it's sort of similar to that, but you play as a fly and you have like roughly 70 seconds to live and you have to like do <laughs> fly things. Looks adorable. Uh, let's see. There's a game coming out called Planet of Lana. It Ooh. looks like if you jammed, you know, the games from that team that made like Limbo and Inside, those yeah. like side scrolly type games. It looks like if you jammed that with like an Oddworld game, like the original Oddworld in the PS1 mm-hmm. and you would get something like that. That looks cool. There is a game called A Little to the Left, which is a game that's like a puzzle-type beat about organizing things. And there's a system in the game where sometimes when you're tidying up the things in your house and solving puzzles, your cat will come through and knock things over and make you like redo the puzzle in a different way. That looks awesome. There are a bunch of, and this was kind of a common thread across a lot of these things I watched, a lot of things that look like either Stardew Valley with some kind of hitch to it mm. or a city builder with some kind of hitch to it. So there was like a, there was a game shown off in the Day of the Dev stream called Roots of Pacha, which looks mm. kind of like Stardew Valley, but you're an anarcho-primitivist. Cool. I don't know. <laughs> like, Fair, looks that's cool. so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the last thing I was really into at day of the devs was this game called goodbye world they specifically shouted out mother three as one of their like artistic influences and you can definitely see it in the way the game looks oh that's noah catnip that's a noah cat if you say something is inspired by mother three i'm pre-ordering it the minute you say that it looks like it is a pixel art game about two young indie game devs and over the course of the game you actually get to play you play the game that the game devs are making but like where the, the game you were playing as the human being playing the game 
is kind of like a top-down. It almost looked, it reminded me a lot of Eastward and the way it looked where it was like kind of Zelda-like mm. and the way you controlled things with that Mother 3-esque GBA graphics. But then the games that they are making that you are playing are like SNES-style graphics. So I, I love a good game within a game. Yeah, it looks, I love game within a game type thing. It just looks, I don't know, it was really cool. This program especially had a lot of non-American devs and cool. like a lot of lot of European devs, a lot of, I mean, non-American, non-Japanese developers. And that was really cool to see. Yeah. Next thing I watched was the Wholesome Direct. It was also really cool to see. This was co-hosted by a number, by three Twitch streamers, including Jenny Windham or Kim Chika, who was a guest on the show. So it was really cool to see her like, hey, we, we, we know that person. We, yeah. we, we follow each other on she Twitter. Was so cool. oh, she was so cool. A couple of games that look neat from this. There is There was a lot of games in this show. I've come to learn that wholesome when it comes to video games means that there are frogs, dogs, or like something fluffy looking in mushrooms game, right yeah mushrooms yeah um that's a very common thread throughout all these there was a game in there that was called melatonin it oh. looks like it's a rhythm heaven warioware type inspired game I, yeah title looks, makes sense we need many many more rhythm heaven inspired games in this world there's a sequel to coffee talk coming out coffee talk 2 um I never played the original Coffee Talk, but it looks really cool. I don't know. I, I heard it was good. You play as like a, a barista and people like anime looking people come into your coffee shop and you talk to them. Yes. Yes. I've, I've seen this. Coffee Talk 2 looks dope. And there was a, the one more game shown off. I was really into the art style of called Mika and the Witch's Mountain. I've actually seen this shown off before. It kind of looks like Kiki's Delivery Service Simulator. Like. You play as a little witch That's and you're doing shit. like yeah. deliveries for people. It's like Kiki's Delivery Service Simulator if the world you were in was like a teeny bit more Mediterranean, like Porco <gasps> Rosso. Oh, I love very, that. That very is Ghibli so looking. my shit. That's extremely yeah. my shit. Ooh. So Wholesome Direct was great. And the the last one that I really tuned into, there's actually two more little ones I tuned into. One was the Future of Games show. I watched about two thirds of this one. It was kind of like more indie focused, but beginning to edge towards like the big bombastic. Um, a lot of the memes I've seen from the past couple of weeks have been that most of the games showed off were sci-fi horror games set on space stations. There was like an inordinate amount of sci-fi horror games set on space stations. Even in like the the triple um, A sphere, I feel like yeah. they're getting a lot of just just scary spacey things we're all we're all just uh, eventually humans just remake dead space and it's like yeah monkeys at typewriters but a bunch of different sets of monkeys at typewriters and they're all making dead space at the same time yeah <laughs> that's the vibe so there were a couple of games in there that looked pretty neat the that that show was hosted by voice actors from the witcher series like the witcher game series mm. so it was kind of fun at one point one of the games they showed off was alaskan truck simulator <laughs> and to hear, hear to hear the fucking voice actor for Geralt go like, I need to move to Alaska. <laughs> it's like really fucking funny. Oh my god, that's that's worth just looking it up. I wow. There was uh, stuff that I saw in here that looked neat. One, there was a whole cutaway section that was talking to Ukrainian game devs about how their oh, experience as game devs has been changed by the fact that they are actively in a war zone, which was like really interesting mm. 
so it was really cool to see like some focus on that kind of thing i and i saw very limited pushback about like stop trying to make things political so it was it was cool to see that there was also of the other stuff i was really into there was a 3d fighting game that looked really inspired by bushido blade from the ps1 i don't know if you're familiar with that no. one it's, it's a samurai fighting game on the ps1 where it's all about parrying like the whole game is parrying because since you're a samurai the minute you hit the other person they die because katanas are really sharp so okay well so try to be like realistic about it exactly yeah okay so rather than like a street fighter where you are just like hammering on each other yeah. until your bodies would realistically be like a pulp this one's all about like one hit so it's all parrying and stuff so spiritual successor to bushido blade awesome there was also a puzzle game combat y thing where you have a gun but it's a puzzle game that looks a lot like portal called entropy center rather mm. than like rather than like a glados type thing talking to you over an intercom you have a gun that like you know the sci-fi first person shooter thing where you have a gun that has a little screen on it where it shows like your bullet count going down instead of that your little screen has like a little face on it and it was like a voice communicating to you through the gun looks cool yeah i don't know. I'm, think it looks neat one thing that that kind of got me thinking about was there was a there was a really good article i read um first i want to give a huge shout out to the games journalists who were covering this shit because you know e3 was one thing the way e3 used to be but since e3 was happening in one place at least it was like at least like the microsoft and the playstation show weren't going to happen at the same time mm -hmm. you know or like within 15 minutes of each other that's but true it really it really felt like this whole last week has been like this weird drawn out version of e3 where everybody and their brother is just trying to kind of ape the nintendo direct model to varying degrees of success and I don't know, man. So ultimate shout out to the game devs who are covering this stuff so that I can Absolutely. Google Microsoft show wrap up 20 minutes after it. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned Nintendo Direct because all these like showcases, all these announcements, and then you know who's missing? Actual hmm. Nintendo. Papa, they're actually missing. Where are they at? But big if true, you did say something about potential. Jump in. Go for it. We're all over the place. <laughs> According to some people on Twitter, I oop, huge if true. Huge if true. There could be an Nintendo Direct on the 29th. Yeah, I saw, and this was, I make fun a lot of when random people on Twitter are like, oh my god, uh, uh Mr. Fucker 420 on the <laughs> Something Awful forums said that there's going to be a Nintendo Direct on June 18th, and then everybody is like, writing articles based on one single post yeah this came from games writer and former journalist alana pierce who was like hey guys i heard there's gonna be a nintendo direct on the 29th and then video games chronicle immediately writes it up and is like hey we've heard the same thing so i think there's there's a little more to it now i kind of uh i kind of balked at it last time when you said that you thought you you had started hearing rumors about a Nintendo Direct, and then I remembered that like we were going into June, and I was like, oh fuck, this actually is like like we're probably gonna get one. It's E three season. I feel like they always have one in June anyway. So yeah, yeah we're definitely due for another one, and I would honestly at this point be kind of surprised if they didn't. Can um, I can I share with you since we're sharing our big if truths about Nintendo? One prominent theory I've seen about the Nintendo Direct. Sure. 
We talked about the Microsoft Direct. How could we forget a Hollow Knight Silk Song got shown off? Oh, you're so Oh my god. You're so it right. Looks, it looks fucking awesome. Hollow Knight Silk Song looks so cool. It does. That's look what made cool. me tune into the Xbox show because I was not watching it. And then I saw I just started seeing tweets that were like the word Silk Song in all caps. And I was like, motherfucker, I'm gonna have to go tune into this shit. Yeah. Um, it looks great, but people have pointed out that you know, all the games that Xbox was showing off at that conference are games that are going to be on Game Pass within the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. So or I, I want to say it was the next 12 to 18 months. So it was like before the end of 2023. So we know Hollow Knight Silksong has to come out sometime then, but they did not give a time frame. There was no date. It was just like Hollow Knight Silksong. It's going to be on Game Pass day one. Don't know when day one is. A prominent theory I have seen is mm. that when Nintendo does do their showcase, Nintendo will shadow drop Hollow Knight Silksong onto the Switch, and then by extension, it will shadow drop onto Game Pass. We'll see. What I do mean, we think? They, I think they have done that stuff before. They've like Beyonce mm-hmm. eliminated other <clears throat> games. In they the always, past. they always have one or two games in the directs that they're like, you can play this game later tonight on the Switch eShop, which yeah. like. Never, it's, I don't know the last time they did anything that would be as huge as a Hollow Knight Silk Song, but well, when they Well, when they dropped Mother, like Earthbound, yeah, that's that was true. kind that's of one true. of those moments. That's right, yeah, because I finished the conference and then immediately started Earthbound like an hour later. <laughs> yeah, so did I. So that's the rumor about Nintendo. But before we do move on from games conference stuff, I want to shout out, there was a really good article I read on No Escape, the video games website. It's noescapevg.com. No Escape is operated by a person by the name of Kaylee Holtner, and Holtner made a comment. I really liked this article. It was called, Do Games Need New Verbs? And one, I follow this person on Twitter. I was really getting a kick out of seeing a games journalist who was, like, very open about how burnt out they were about watching so many of these shows back to back. And they pointed out in here that, you know, we kind of get lost in the muck of trying to describe what genre is. I want to read a brief expert here. It says, I knew that problem came up a few times in both the Summer Game Fest stream with all the space horror titles and in the wholesome direct with games featuring frogs doing shit that frogs don't typically do. Like, Oh my gun. god. A gun. <laughs> and, you know, that's it's not a bad point. They're saying that maybe games need new things because there are... There are a lot. It's very common in the games industry for stuff to kind of trickle down from the AAA space into the indie space, even if it takes like 15 years. And the AAA space is, I don't want to say like stagnating, but as Holtner says in this article, as far as AAA games go, they've always been influenced by market trends. So fuck me sideways if they ever move entirely away from gun as the operative term for the bulk of games in that space. And that's... I would I would love to see more games that are about, even if the game is not about gun, I want to see more games in the AAA space. And I'm not saying that there are not, because there are a lot. But it would be nice to see even more that are leaning away from, like, shooting things as being your primary way of interacting with the world. So, I don't know. That said, that was the bulk of the shows I watched. Uh, just a few more quick shoutouts, and then we'll move beyond this. The PC Gamer stream, I did not watch, but I was reading the recaps as it was coming out. Yeah. We are getting free updates for Citizen Sleeper, baby. I am so fucking excited. Oh, wow. That's huge. Um, Citizen Sleeper is, like, probably the best game I've played this year. I am absolutely in love with the world of it. And 
Gareth Damian Martin, the dev behind it, has said that the free content, the free updates that are coming out for it, is going to be kind of an exploration of doing something kind of like an RPG one-shot in the world they've created. So it's not going to be the same length as like the main game, but I know, I'm sure I do not speak for just myself when I say this, I finished that game and I desperately wanted to just like be in that world more. And Mm. even recognizing that I had kind of exhausted most of the content, I was like, I am in love with the world that this game has created. And I think it is such a really cool and unique way of going, what if a spaceship or a space station, but there is like anarchist communes happening on it. Ooh, like just really cool speculative science fiction. And I am super, super stoked to see more from that. And last of the weird little indie directs I watched, there has kind of been this bubbling up over the past few years where groups of people who make fan games for various series will also do Nintendo Direct style things. Have you ever watched any of these? There's like no. sometimes like Mario ROM hackers will do like the Mario ROM hack direct 2022. And this is something that the mother fan base has been doing for a minute, which Makes should come sense. as no surprise yeah. because when there is no new content for the series that you're in love with, of course you're going to keep making fucking fan games for it. So I watched the Mother Direct 2022. A lot of it was either ROM hacks or fan games associated with the Mother series. There was also a really cool chunk in the middle that was just like Mother-inspired indie RPGs. But of the fan games they showed off, one of the fan games is called Mother Encore, hmm. which is literally just recreating Mother 1, which is famously obtuse because it's a fucking NES game, recreating the story of that in a totally new Mother 3-looking graphical style and engine. It looks awesome because like, I have always wanted to play Mother 1, but I don't know if I really have the stomach to sit down and play like an NES RPG. So the idea that I could like learn about those characters and really enjoy that game, but from a more modern type thing, su- I don't know, sue me. Like, I think that looks really cool. I think that's um, really interesting. And I think that's something mm-hmm. worth looking into. I had no idea that they did like these parallel style of direct. So I like, yeah. I like highlighting that. Um, am I good to move on to other news? I'm done. Okay. I'm done. I'm done talking you, about new you're games. You're soapboxed. God, you're soapboxed. I'm stepping down. Um, so I just wanted to shout out this really interesting article I read on Wired by Lewis Gordon. Um, so the headline is How to Make the Video Game Industry Greener. And it basically mm-hmm. goes into like talking about the carbon emissions that gaming and the process of creating games makes, which is something that I don't even think about, honestly. But like any industry, it emits, obviously. And one statistic that stood out to me, besides the fact that video game companies haven't always been super honest about their emissions, such as Nintendo, but um, one really interesting thing is that cloud gaming, by like a significant amount, emits more carbon. And that if everyone were to, every, if every person who plays video games were to switch to cloud streaming, mm-hmm. it would increase emissions via video games by 30 percent that's fucking nuts that's crazy right and in the article uh gordon also talks about like is making next gen versions of everything always necessary or overly long bloated games always necessary and the answer is no but it had me thinking about the last of us part one this ps5 remake (laughs) of the last of us which was remastered (laughs) for the ps4 and originally for the ps3 
and it just looks like a completely unnecessary remake and it just yeah. this is just an example of like do we always need the latest thing all the time i the last of us thing is like look if you're a fan of the last of us series and you want to replay the first game with like slightly higher facial hair fidelity on joel <laughs> i support you i guess like if you're gonna go if you're gonna go hand over fist and give another sixty dollars to naughty dog a company that has a pretty horrific history of crunching its employees. Be my guest, I guess. I don't know. I played the first Last of Us. I really liked it. I thought it was a really good game. Is this clearly just a brazen attempt to get a new version of the first game out when they are actively working on a TV show that is going to retell the events of the first game? Yeah, it's also that. Like, I... There... It sucks because there are so many games that are marooned on consoles like the PS3 and the mm -hmm. PSP that have not been able to come forward because those are consoles that were like, the PS3 especially, what had a weird like way of making games and developing games on it. So it's not super easy to just like bring the PS3 game to the PS5. But like The Last of Us does not have that problem. That game was just recently ported to the PS4, and you can put that disc in your PS5 and just run it. Literally. Um, and besides that, just a tad bit of like good labor news. Let's go. Microsoft entered into an agreement with the Communications Workers of America to mm -hmm. let people at Activision Blizzard more easily unionize, um, which is really cool. And yeah, uh, yeah, it just does, you know, some clearing up of their acquisition of the company and i think it definitely is setting it apart from other game companies now that you've started to see a push for uh unionization um yeah. so microsoft did a good thing i just i just gotta say it yeah that's awesome that's cool to see that like i don't know like you said there's good labor news <laughs> it's so common that especially with the activision blizzard situation that it has just been thing after thing of not quite running afoul of the nlrb but like coming pretty close to doing things that are like legally dubious in terms of preventing unionization so i hope to see more of it especially since it really seems like the tide of opinion on unionizing is like changing a little bit but yeah fingers crossed that actually changes a little bit i I have one news item that I want to talk about Okay, we, we completely move on here. I'm going to be reading this to you from the official press release announcement on the Square Enix website. Oh, God. So, earlier this month in June, actually on June 1st, the Square Enix Twitter account changed its profile picture to a strange little beast that looks kind of like a Snivy. Like the little the grass starter from Gen Five and Pokemon, oh. but like if Snivy if Snivy had little leaves on its head that were colored like the trans flag, so I was like, a, a lot of times when I'm scrolling through Twitter, the first thing I will see is the profile picture. So I'm like, okay, who the hell is this? I click on it, and it's Square Enix, and I was like, okay, I was not expecting that that was going to be Square Enix. For a minute, this is not the case anymore. But for a minute, when you clicked on Square Enix's profile. The profile bio said nothing about... It didn't say, like, we're Square Enix, you love us, from Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Mm -hmm. It said, this is our new Pride mascot, and for Pride Month, we are donating all of the... Or it was like, for Pride Month, we're changing this to our mascot, we're selling t-shirts with our newly created Pride mascot, 
and the money from the t-shirts is going to go to GLAD and other like pro-LGBT um, organizations. So on one hand, kind of cool to see Square Enix like Square Enix doing the thing where they change their profile picture to the pride flag, but like actually also donating money. That's yeah, cool. That's cute. I like that. I could not find any additional information about their pride mascot. Turns out they rolled out this pride mascot last year, and I just totally missed this. Pride mascot's name is Mina, and Mina is very cute. Oh, this she says, is. She, she's very cute. I don't know what pronouns Mina uses. I feel like I should figure that out, considering this is the pride <laughs> icon. But it does say in the press release from Square Enix that, one, Mina was designed by Square Enix regular Toshiyuki Itahana, and Itahana has done art direction on games like Final Fantasy IX and the Crystal Chronicles series. So this isn't just like something an intern shit out last year for Pride Month. And the all of the proceeds, like I said, they did this last month and they were doing this this month, all the proceeds for merch that people bought with Mina on it went to Glad and Stonewall. So they're selling t-shirts with Mina on it for $35 on their website. I have absolutely considered buying one of the Mina shirts. I think it's very cute. I'm not one to be out here like, woohoo, look what this company did to celebrate Pride Month, gay rights. But I think it's really cool that Square Enix like didn't just put Cloud in like a down with cis t-shirt. Like, <laughs> they, it's like actually, it feels like it's something a little more motivated than that. So that's cool. This is probably the only time I'm going to go like, fuck yeah, thank you, company, for respecting LGBT rights during Pride Month. But Mina yeah, is very Yeah, that cute. one's cute, yeah. That one's cute, that one's cute. Especially since Mina just looks like a Pokemon. And Exactly, it works. Yeah, Mina's name apparently in Japanese is very close to the Japanese word for all or everyone. So I think that's very cute. What are we playing? That was a whirlwind of news. What am I playing? I'm going to run you through some stuff I'm playing. First, uh, I mentioned Jenny Wyndham, Kim Chika. When she was on the show, the game that she shouted out that she was helping promote with Soft Not Weak, the one company she works for, Mm -hmm. was Spirit Swap. Spirit Swap had a demo out at the time, but after the Wholesome Direct, they shadow dropped a new demo for Spirit Swap. Before, the demo was kind of just, like, let me back up. Spirit Swap is like Puyo Puyo if Puyo Puyo was gay. Are you familiar with Puyo Puyo at all? Yeah. Have you played any? Yeah, I yeah, haven't, but like, I, I know it. Yeah, like uh, Pokemon Puzzle League for people who played that on the N64. I think Tetris Attack might actually be the same game. It's it's kind of like Tetris, except you're moving blocks and you're arranging them. It's, it, it's, a, it's a match three puzzle game, but it's like a really fun match three puzzle game. I fucking love Puyo Puyo. When the uh, Japanese-only Puyo Puyo game on the Super Nintendo dropped on the SNES Online and the Nintendo Switch, I played all of the arcade story mode. <laughs> I was like, there was a brief minute in like my senior year of college where I was just fucking addicted to Puyo Puyo. I love so, that for you. You're like a Candy Crush mom, you know. I'm like a can- yeah, I'm like a Candy Crush mom, but with like a, a a relatively obscure SNES puzzle game that has like Madoka Magica looking characters. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. So Spirit Swap does not have Madoka Magica-looking characters. This has, like, really well-designed, super cool-looking characters. Uh, I was a little I was a little unclear on what the story was. I kind of feel like I got dropped in media res. Something about, like, the characters can see, 
the little like puya puya bits that you're moving around and like they interact with them in like diegetically in the same way that you're interacting with them i was kind of lost on it what i did come out with is that the character designs are really cool the music is really good and it has got a fuck ton of personality it is also like the second or third indie game i have played now that it introduces a lot of characters and if you forget who the characters are you can pause it pull up the characters and it also includes like their pronouns which is like super cool like it's just really cool a really cool mindful thing about like it's clear that it was made by a a team that cares about this kind of stuff and i mean i don't want to i don't want to put words in their mouth or make presumptions but it really feels like it was made by a team that like has real queer people on it who like actually care about this stuff so really awesome that was a super cool demo and totally has me want to play that game when it comes out I also dipped into the games that are free on the PlayStation Plus. I oh, love it. I, what's up, guys? I'm gonna talk about some games that absolutely do not need me to hype them up because they are literally free on the PlayStation to play right now. Tori, there's a game on there called Naruto to Boruto Shinobi Strikers. <laughs> are you big? <laughs> are I'm you sorry. a Naruto gal? <laughs> no, I mean I kind of liked Naruto like in fifth grade. That's about yeah. it. But that that title. What a name. So I read the I read the Naruto manga up through the end of like the first chunk. So like I got to the time skip when it became Naruto Shippuden and then like the first story arc was like Sasuke's gone again. We got to go get him. And I was like I can't fucking do this anymore, man. <laughs> I was like I was like I can't fucking do this anymore. So my I've probably read like a fifth of the entirety of what's available for naruto but i was like fuck it's a naruto game like i've played some of the uh the ninja clash or whatever the fuck they're called like the the ones that are basically like your typical 3d anime fighter like we talked about this last time yeah i've played some of those i've enjoyed them i was like shinobi striker is probably going to be that shinobi striker is like if you took if you took a good anime 3d fighter and you dumbed it down so that it was less about like fighting game mechanics and more about like cooldowns on your special moves yeah. and then also jammed in like the destiny hub world into it that's what you would end up with it's not good um it's very weird it starts off and you like create a ninja and that was kind of cool like i made a cute girl with blue hair and i was like hell yeah my cute girl with blue hair is going to have cool healing powers so i can help my friends online and you're like in the hub world and kakashi is like i'm gonna teach you how to be a ninja and then sakura who apparently gets married to sasuke in the that was weird Uh i didn't like i encountered sakura and her name came up as sakura uchiha and i was like i don't like that one bit (laughs) Um, shippers everywhere applauding that one i I mean i feel like this is probably old news but uh i i didn't like that one bit it's just like you you know that thing when you boot up a game that has a prominent online feature and you get a barrage of like online notices that are like, thanks for logging in. You get your daily login bonus. Uh-oh, we have maintenance coming up soon. We have an event going on right now. Here's your items for downloading. Thanks for playing. Anniversary. Like I got like nine pop-up boxes when I opened up the game for the first time. And it was like, I, ugh, I don't know. Mm. It's like the Destiny-ification of uh, uh, um, anime 3D fighter. And I like Destiny. But, like, I don't like Destiny enough that 
I think that the weird, gross monetization aspects of Destiny and, like, the kind of janky hub world aspects should be exported to other types of games. So, that's the weird Naruto game. The other game I played some of was the Nickelodeon Smash game. Remember when you and I talked about this on the show last time? We were like, it looks kind of janky. Yeah. I'm here to report it is kind of janky. It's kind of like... It's kind of like if you were playing Smash Brothers and you were like, I feel like every character needs like one more whole button worth of moves. And because like <laughs> the the appeal of Smash is that it's so simple that like anybody who just picks it up can still have fun and people who devote their entire lives to playing Melee can also have fun. This game is like every character has twice as many special moves as they probably should. So I I had such a hard time remembering what people could do. And it's also just like another, a thing that is so cool about Smash Bros and something that I think, God forbid I'm saying something good again, again about fucking Warner Brothers, but like something that having not played it from what I've seen, their 3D fighter Smash Bros ripoff seems like it's doing pretty well, is creating like a a semi-cohesive art style so that these characters don't look weird next to each other. Yeah. the Nickelodeon game aims for this, and it sort of falls flat. Like, it, it falls flat in that the characters don't quite look right. Like, it doesn't look right when Cat Dog is standing next to Aang from Avatar. It just doesn't <laughs> look right. It And it doesn't look right in, like, a, ooh, Bayonetta and Sonic. Like, it just doesn't look right. Yeah. And a big thing that happened right when they put this on PlayStation Plus for the month was that the game added voice acting, which it did not have, and okay. it added items, which it did not have. So... I can't fathom playing, of course, I was playing with items off because that's the default setting, but I cannot fathom being somebody who's playing like a casual party fighter like this and not having just like goofy items. Not to mention, yeah, without voice acting, this game would be fucking eerie. Like, there would just be, there would just be Spongebob like soundlessly getting whacked across the stage by a big rock that Korra threw at him. Like, it would be really weird. and. The implementation of the voice acting was kind of weird because, you know, you know, like in fighting games in like a Street Fighter or a Soul Calibur, when you start, when you're going through arcade mode, you'll like get characters who talk to each other before the match starts. Yeah, yeah. So like Ryu and Ken will fist bump and then they'll like go back into fighting stance or like Siegfried and Nightmare will like make faces at each other. It makes sense. Like the voice acting that they added for classic mode or arcade mode in Nickelodeon Smash. It's just, like, random stock dialogue lines paired up with each other. So, oh, like, no. <laughs> I played one. I played one match. It was, like, it was, like, Aang against, like, fuck me. I don't know. Spongebob. And so, the match starts and Aang goes, uh, Flamio. And then it cuts to Spongebob and Spongebob goes, I'm ready. And these have, like, oh dialogue. These have, like, dialogue boxes as if they're, like, they're like important things that are like weaving a narrative. I love that. I think that's everything I'm playing. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Persona 3 yet because I think you're also about to talk about Persona 3. And we are, I know I've said this like three episodes in a row, but we really are nearing the end of this game to a point that I don't want to spend spend breath talking about it yet. So I'm going to hold off. I will just comment on Persona 3 when you get there. I do want to shout out though that I was on a podcast talking about Earthbound. Um, the the very gracious Kevin Velasquez invited me on the show. Mom, we can't pause, 
mm-hmm. and he invites his friends, he invites people he knows to come on and talk about their favorite game. And he made the mistake of inviting me to come on and talk about Earthbound. And I talked about Earthbound for an hour, and about 45 minutes of that was not even about like the gameplay of the game itself. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm just so mystified by Earthbound's relationship with localization and with the United States and how it's sold and its legacy that it's very easy for me to talk about that game with like out even talking about that game. So it was cool. a lot of fun though. I will link that in the bottom. And I think that's it for me. Tori, what are you playing? So I was visiting some family the other week, so I started playing this limited run game called Ooh. Iconoclast. I'm about a fourth of the way through it. Uh and it's kind of funny because I was playing it uh during the flight and I flew economy because I'm cheap. So I did not have Wi-Fi on the flight. So I got stuck in the game and just had to like figure it out myself like the old fashioned way. And I kinda Wait. like that. People fly things other than economy. <laughs> yeah, well. Damn. Um, yeah, like there's some airlines where you could like fly economy, be like you have to buy Wi-Fi, but the airline I was flying buying Wi-Fi wasn't even an option. Damn. So they were like, fun. they were like, did you bring your strategy guide for Iconoclast on the flight? Yeah, literally. But the the TLDR is that you play as a girl named Robin, whose dad is or was an engineer in a world where uh, fixing things and messing around with machines is not just a crime, it's actually a sin. Damn. Um, There is a god who rains down divine judgment in the form of meteors striking your house while you're in them and killing you. Whoa. Um, And so you are like illegally solving puzzles on a planet that's like ravaged by climate change and you're trying to avoid getting smushed by an meteor for your sins hmm. so that actually sounds really cool that's not at all what i thought that game was about based very on like, cute. the little visuals i've seen of it surprisingly heavy <laughs> um besides that let's see oh jesse is playing ghost tsushima on the ps5 and it just i'm not really paying super close attention to it but i'll like walk in the living room and see it play it and it's pretty af so yeah so looking for like a nice calm in some ways, kind of calm game that is just insanely beautiful. Hmm. Recommend Ghost of Tsushima PS5 version. Well, that's cool. I know I didn't play that one when it came out. I'm glad to hear that it's pretty, but I know there was there was a good bit of discourse about it when it came out, just because I know I know the designers on the game are not, but like the team that developed it, Sucker Punch, or the developers yeah. developed it, Sucker Punch. They are like an American studio based in Washington. And there was there was a lot of conversation about whether or not the game was really trying to depict like Japan, Japan, or like an idealized version of Japan that white guys who watched a lot of Akira Kurosawa when they were in college Whoa. like imagine. So I, I heard I have heard that like people really liked the game, but yeah, I, I remember sure. that there was there was a good bit of discourse. I'll I'll find an article about it and link it in the description. I am almost certain that games journalist Kazuma Hashimoto wrote something about it, and I really enjoy his articles. I will locate a Kazuma Hashimoto article, and I will put it in the description, but there was some discourse there. Cool, yeah. And besides that, I finally made some fucking progress in Persona 3. I think I'm Let's close go. to where you are. Yeah. Um, I'm now in mid-November. I just reached the, the 213th floor. Some crazy ass plot stuff has happened. Mm-hmm. Wild right from start to finish, and now yeah. I'm I'm in some sort of field trip where there's some like hot spring discourse. Oh okay. So oh uh, wow okay so I am I'm at the same place in the dungeon that you are, 
but yeah. I'm well past where you are time wise because I I was taking my time a little more with the dungeons. So that's interesting because I'm like way past, not way past, but I'm like at least a week or two of in-game time past the hot spring shenanigans portion. Yeah. So that's where I am. Oh, and I'm going to be on the same podcast as you are ah. talking about Ocarina of Time. So Damn. Let's go. Nintendo let's go. Sluts. And that's pretty much it for this week. Yeah. We're playing a good bit of games. I got a couple of things that I am kind of been playing this past week that I'm a little excited to potentially talk about in a week or two here on the podcast. That was a whirlwind of a show with a lot Ooh. of games release stuff and a lot of games news. Probably going to be more of it by the time we get back in here, too, because we are, we are in a purgatory that is perpetual E3. So mm. I'm sure there's going to be more games announcements. Probably nothing as cool as Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, but we might get a Nintendo Direct soon. So more to come. Tori, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Tori underscore as underscore always on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz, spelled H-U-R-T-S. You can find the show on Twitter at press underscore start pod. You can find us, I'm assuming you know this, but since you're listening to the show, you can recommend it to your friends on whatever podcatcher they use. You can also email in the show at heypressstart at gmail.com. We accept questions all the time. We are always willing to field questions. Or if you just want to tell us like what games you're playing and what you're enjoying, we would welcome that as well. We would also welcome reviews being left on that podcatcher that you're using. Uh, I can't speak for all of them, but I know iTunes lets you... Or fuck, it's not iTunes anymore. Isn't it like Apple Podcasts? Well, Apple Podcasts. What year is it? Apple Podcasts allows you to leave like lengthy written reviews. So if people leave written reviews, as long as they're not like, fuck those guys, we will absolutely read them on the show. Our music is from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their music at noahgeist.bandcamp.com. Our show art is by Kai at Wisp Graphics, and I think that's about it. Tori, are you going to go pre-order your copy of Soul Hackers 2 plus DLC? I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> More power to you, honestly. All right. Thanks for listening.